several miles off the main highway, tucked away in a secluded canyon on prime vineyard property, stands a rustic barn that was built many decades before the vines around it were planted. In that barn, a sophisticated broadcast and recording studio has been built. The barn also has a well-hidden root cellar stocked with many of the world's most exceptional wines, only to be shared with guests who secretly come to offer their insights and tell their stories. Guests are sworn to secrecy and are shuttled to the studio aboard a John Deere tractor. Those who cannot make the journey in person are interviewed by satellite hookup, and sometimes the crew simply sneaks away with microphones in hand and interviews guests in barrel rooms, wine cellars, and other magical places. All of this is done like clockwork every single week so that we can bring you another episode of Grape Encounters Radio. Peel me a grape Crush me some ice Skin me a peach Save the fuzz for my pillow all right, and it is time for your weekly grape encounter. I gotta admit something. I am not very good at anniversaries. I forget everybody's anniversary, even my own. And as I was laying out the upcoming show earlier this week, I had an epiphany because I looked down at the show number and it was show number 365. And I go, wait a second, there's 365 days in a year. And if you divide that by 52 days in a year, you got seven years. This is our seven year anniversary. And I couldn't believe it. And I thought, you know what? I got to scuttle all my plans for the week because I'm going to change up the opening of the show. And it's got to be only one person, the one person who supported us more than anybody else way back when we were just on like one or two radio stations, Keith Sarlos of Sarlos and Sons. He is one of the most intellectual people yet down to earth and fun people in the wine business. He and his family have redefined the wine enjoyment experience. And I'm so glad to have you on, Keith. It has been way too long. I feel very guilty, but at least I can introduce you to the rest of the United States today. Hey, it's great to be here. Congratulations. Can you believe that? It's exactly seven years. You know, it's- the one thing that I think we're always good at is identifying people who are passionate, that want to do something big, and you are absolutely one of those people. I think you're helping redefine what wine is for the rest of the world, and I really appreciate it. Well, you know, we, I don't talk much about how many radio stations we're on, but suffice to say, we're on in many, many markets, many, many big markets. But I always want the show to be intimate and very useful to the everyday, you know, wine person, because that's all I am. You know, when it comes down to it, our good friend Wes Hagen says often that wine should be a social lubricant to stimulate conversation about everything except the wine. And I know you agree with that, right? Absolutely. You know, we've been doing this for almost 20 years now. Our tasting room's been open for about eight, just a little bit longer than you. And I remember when you came in the front door and said, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. We had a great conversation. And, you know, two months later, we were doing this, you know, and wine has always been the thing to me that people have missed it for so long. The people who made it about point scores and made it about what I'm drinking and a status symbol, missed the point and missed the boat. And the best part about wine is that it's a little campfire when you pull that cork and everybody is there tasting the same thing at the same time, experiencing each other and not looking at their phone. 
is always an amazing time. I mean, we are... We, we discourage uh, people in our tasting room, the Grape Encounters Emporium, and you know we opened a tasting room about a year and a half yeah. ago, uh, but we do let them use their phones if they want to send out images of what they're enjoying. If it's about the wine, it's okay. But I just mean, you know, if you're in a group of five people and somebody's staring at their phone, it means they'd rather be in there than with you. Exactly. And, and if one of those Pokemon characters yeah. show up in our place, we yeah. already have an exterminator on standby. To, oh, no, to, yes, we catch them. <laughs> no, we're going to we're gonna give kill, them to kids. We're going to kill Great. them. We're going to kill the little suckers. Uh, not a, <laughs> they're good. We, you we know keep what? them and give them to kids. They're, they're good with a little Jack Daniels barbecue sauce. Don't overcook them, though. <laughs> okay. They're, they're like sushi meant to serve raw. All right. Let's go backwards a little bit, Keith. So <laughs> Sarlos and Sons, and by the way, if you want to Google it, you should, because in my opinion, Sarlos and Sons, is one of the most unique, most enjoyable, most got it right tasting rooms that you will ever go to. They're in Los Olivos, California. So the really lower part of the Central Coast, we call it Baja Central Coast. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> Great wines down there. Totally different than they make in the Paso Robles area, in my opinion. They're just very different wines. Beautiful wines. Love them so much. Sell a lot of them in our tasting room up here, Keith. But Sarlos and Sons started, as Keith said, eight years ago. Family operation. The whole family's involved. And they did, I think, what we did both with the radio show and with our tasting room, we didn't look at what anybody else was doing. We just said, how should it be? How would it yeah. suit us? And more importantly, I got to sell this stuff. So I got to have product that works for me. And that's not going to be the same as the product that works for somebody else. Is that about right? You know, I think wine is as personal as a joke. And if you laugh, it's funny. If you don't laugh, you don't think it's funny. And the same thing goes with wine. If you taste something and you like it, you're right. And if you don't like it, you're also right. And for us, every person coming through the door, we grow. Since everything we are sharing is a state, when people taste it, I go, so what, do you like it? And they go, no, nah, it's not really my cup of tea. Yeah. Never offended, but oh, great, let's find something a little exactly. more on your style, you know, because the album has 12 songs and they don't all have to be your personal favorite. But once you find something you love, it, the fun part about wine is exploring all the different avenues that that can take you. I mean, if you if you find uh, you're into Syrah, then five years later, you might be into Cab. And that's not wrong. It's, it's right because it is very, very personal. And your taste it's changes. I mean, look at the clothes you wore 20 years ago and what you wear sure. now. It Ooh. just changes. You know, one thing that Wes Hagen taught me, and Wes being another winemaker from the same region as yeah. Keith, and really... It's two doors down now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And very, very intellectual guy. And one of the things that he told me that he, he just really liked to open up from time to time, I think it was a bottle of Behringer White Zinfandel with certain food. And you know what? That gave me permission to admit, why am I bad-mouthing White Zinfandel when, in fact, there are occasions where it's it's delicious. You know, Absolutely. it's good. And there's no point in bashing it because it's not sophisticated and because they sell a lot of it. They sell a lot of it because Americans like it. And You know, you they know, sell a lot of In-N-Out cheeseburgers, too, and I would never bash those. Yeah, exactly. But that doesn't mean that we all have to drink White Zinfandel, and it doesn't mean yeah. that just because you like that that you won't like something else. One of the things that I love about the way Sarlos and Sons does their wines, Keith. It's it's something that, well, I would say eight years ago, you would rarely see it. You see it more now. You don't worry about having subsequent vintages. In other words, it's not your 2000 Cabernet, 
2001 Cabernet, 2003 Cabernet, 2004. Explain how you decide what wines you're going to sell and how it differs from year to year. Well, it's very kind that you say that, that you didn't see it when we first started and now you see it more and more. You know, I feel like we've had a, a bit of a, an impact on that because quite honestly, you know, I have two children and they have the same DNA. They're raised in the same home by the same people, treated exactly the same way. And I would never expect my son, who's younger than my daughter, to be my daughter, to be into the same things, to like the same things, to share that personality. He is who he is and she is who she is. And because we grow our own grapes and farm them ourselves, we don't have a farming company we pay. We do it from our ground to your glass. Right. Every year is violently different. And if I expect this grape and I have to make a wine that tastes exactly like last year, I'm already a failure. Yeah. And every year is a completely new year. And since I've known you, we've had, you know, let's say we've we've done 10 vintages, or actually more than that. And we've had at least 12 different labels that my wife and I have designed and named because you know what? Every single of those bottles every year, even if it's a vertical, are different. We can't even grow three different hillsides of Syrah to taste the same on the same year. And I'm not into making Franken wines by blending wines into it to make right, it exactly. taste something. We want it to be who it is and let that personality scream to the back row. Now, you might be surprised who's coming on the air right after you. Who's that? Well, it's going to be Randy Arnold, and he has been from day one the brand ambassador for Barefoot Wines. Yeah. And and we love Randy, and we love Barefoot Wines. And people go, how can you say that? It's a, you know, it's a cheap store brand. You can even find it in gas stations. And the answer is because, well, you know, you use the phrase Frankenwine. It's a wine that's very consistent, actually, yeah, made sure. by people who really know how to make wine, and it introduces people to more interesting wines, more complex and unusual wines like you make at Sarlis and Sons. You know, David, so I think the best thing that ever happened to wine was two buck chuck. Yeah, exactly. Because people could walk in, pull a cork on it, something that they have three bucks invested into, right. and say, do I like this or don't I like this? And dipping your toe into that as every single person that is listening to this show knows, not only is it a slippery slope, it is a velvet gutter. And you want to dive into it. Because as you taste, all of a sudden, you're focusing on a sense that you usually, you eat to be full, you don't eat for experience. And then all of a sudden, because you're paying attention to those things, little bits of that scream into your life. All of a sudden, you choose food differently. You look at art differently. You even look at the little lines on your car differently and say, this is something I like. You're not letting life wash over you. You are living a beautifully examined life. Wow, Thanks Keith. for having me back on. Uh, I really bet. appreciate Keith, it. You I, 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 I saw all the success you have received. Well, Keith, I so really have missed you being on the show. So here's what I'm going to offer. In maybe around three weeks, I'm going to come down to where you are. We'll bring the microphones. We'll spend the entire show pontificating. How does that sound? I would, I would be honored and I'd love to see you. Okay. Well, sounds great. Keith Sarlos at Sarlos and Sons. It's S-A-A-R-L-O-O-S and Sons. I can tell you without a doubt. <laughs> Without a reservation, go online and buy their wines. If you don't like the wines, call me and I'll replace their wines with something else, you know, and I'll drink it for sure. That's the guarantee. All right, Keith, we got to go. But we will be back in just a second with Randy Arnold, the brand ambassador. Had a lot to do with the Barefoot Wine Company being as big as they are. But they have a new accolade and you won't believe it when I tell you that coming up next on Grape Encounters Radio. For years, I seem to pour more wine down the drain than into my glass. I love great wine, but hate how quickly it goes bad. Now, for about the cost of a few good bottles, I pour as much as I want of whatever I want, whenever I want, with my Coravin from GrapeEncounters.com. 
Take a sip today, have a glass next month, and save the rest for a few years without removing the cork. Enjoy wine on your own terms with the remarkable Coravin from GrapeEncounters.com. A lot of people ask me why Manzanita Manor's incredible Portuguese dessert wine is called Two Horse. Well, the reason behind the name is as extraordinary as the wine itself. It's because the owner and winemaker at Manzanita Manor Organics actually uses two beautiful horses to pull the plow on her farmland. When you take your very first sip of the Two Horse Vineyard's irresistible dessert wine, you'll immediately experience the winemaker's unparalleled connection to the land. It's what really makes it so good. You can purchase this exceptional wine online, as well as their purely delicious walnut oil, 100% organic heirloom walnuts, and free-trade chocolate-covered walnuts. To learn more about all the Manzanita Manor Organics products, visit mmorganics.com. You can order all their walnut products there, and bottles of two horse, of course. Purchase and shipping subject to state and local regulations. Please see mmorganics.com for more information. Grape Encounters Radio is always on the lookout for great story ideas, even if they're completely and totally off the wall. So here's the deal. Share your story ideas with me or send a question you'd like to hear answered on the show. If I use your question or suggestion, I'll send you a special gift. I want to know what you want to know. You can contact me on the Grape Encounters Radio group page on Facebook or email david at grapeencountersradio.com. If you've got something for me, I've got something for you. Grape Encounters is 100% estate grown. We have, however, removed the pretentiousness and added a healthy dose of fun. You make me want to get barefoot and buck wild. And now, Grape Encounters with David Wilson continues. Barefoot and buck wild. All right, we are back with Grape Encounters Radio, and now we go from a very small boutique winery on the central coast of California to what is now the brand that is trampling all the other top wine brands. And it's been a while since I have had on Randy Arnold, who is the brand ambassador for Barefoot Wines, which was started by the Hands and then uh, purchased by Gallo. And there's a reason that I'm having Randy on, not just to talk about the story that broke yesterday, but for a lot of reasons. Randy, first of all, welcome to the show. Let's start there. Thank you so much, David. It's great to be on your show, of course. Well, you know, there's a funny little thing that I can tell you about, and it has to do with, you sent me a couple of shirts. You know that I'm a Tommy Bahama guy. So you sent me these awesome Tommy Bahama shirts that are monogrammed with barefoot wine on it. And and I wear them in my wine shop. I wear them to wine events, and people go, barefoot wine? But David, you drink more sophisticated wine than barefoot wine, and they want to poo-poo barefoot wine. And I always have to remind them of why the brand is so important. So as the guy who was out there as the very first cheerleader for the brand and still the cheerleader for the brand, explain the success of Barefoot, but more importantly, explain why it is so important to every other boutique and smaller winemaker out there. Well, you know, I've been uh, with Barefoot for 26 years, and my goal has always been the same, and, and that is to bring wine to new consumers for our category. Wine has a long way to go in America. We've had a lot of success, but uh, we can still definitely grow the category tremendously. And I wanted to reach out to new consumers and make sure that they had a good experience at the entry-level price point, or I used to say, we've lost them to beer forever. Right, exactly. 
And, you know, I, I don't know if we talked about this before, but I think it just bears discussing that wine serves a number of different purposes. And so many people that talk to me about wine will ask the obvious questions. Well, what do I pair this with? Or what should I serve with this wine? Or what wine should... It's more like I'm having steak or lamb or whatever. What wine should I buy for it? But so much of the Barefoot brand and so many of the wines that I like, the meal doesn't matter. I just want to drink the wine. And we use the term cocktail wine. I don't really like that term, but I guess in a way, that's really what it is. In lieu of buying a bottle of vodka or a bottle of whiskey, we choose wine instead. It's lower in alcohol. It's more refreshing in most cases. It suits our taste better. We're not left with a hangover. There's a lot of wine that suits that purpose. But then there's the really refined wines that we want to, you know, pair with everything from cheese to food to music. And and they're different, right? Yeah. You know what? I like to say that there's a conversation wines. You're sitting down with friends, you're going to have a conversation, and you want to serve a wine uh, that goes with that conversation. But I do say that, you know, the wine goes in and oftentimes the truth comes out. So use it carefully. <laughs> the wine goes in and the <laughs> truth comes out. We were just talking about the idea of, of wine being a social lubricant. But, you know, I, I, one thing for sure in our wine bar, I don't really want to talk about the wine all the time. I certainly want to explain the wines, but then I just want people to enjoy them and enjoy them for what they are. And, you know, so many of us use wine in our everyday life, like, you know, when we're doing a backyard barbecue or uh, we're going to a tailgate party or, you know, just those occasions where there are a lot of people around, you're not going to pull out a bunch of $60 bottles of wine for that, you know, unless you're running for the presidency and you have that kind of money. But that was a joke. Um, you can at least laugh, Randy. Come on. Okay. All right. I got it. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, but for most people, you know, you're looking for something at a, a at a lower price. And I, I've heard so many people say, you know, uh, you know, Barefoot comes out in the large, I don't, I'm not sure how many liters your larger bottles are. Are they Two 750s, is that right, or are they not yeah, quite that? We do Magnums, which is a 1.5. It is a um, 1.5, okay? Yes. So mm-hmm. it's the equivalent of two 750s. I wasn't sure. So you get twice as much wine for not nearly as much money as what you would pay for, you know, something that would be considered, you know, a fine wine that is handmade, handcrafted 100% of the way, and is coming to you from a much smaller winemaker. Right. And, you know, for entertaining, I like to offer lots of choices to people. And uh, you have all kinds of different palettes, too, when you're entertaining. So I try to offer a dry and sweet version of each category. So that would be red, white, and bubbly. So the, the minimum I'm going to serve are going to be six bottles So uh, to put out there. And so you please everybody. So, so. so what, what do you mean when you say the minimum is six wines? Does that mean you're going to serve six different wines or two of three different kinds of wine? I'm going to serve six different wines, but I'm going to make sure I have a, a sweet and dry white wine, a sweet and dry red wine, and then a sweet and dry barefoot bubbly as well. And that's what we do at a lot of our events. You know, we, we donate to over 3,000 benefits for nonprofits a year. That's amazing. That by itself is absolutely amazing. Now, let's talk about this story that came out. I'm looking at it in Wines and Vines. And the headline is Barefoot Tramples Other Top Wine Brands. Latest wine industry metrics report examines the top 20 U.S. wine brands. These are the top 20 off-premise 
off-table wine brands. Can you define off-premise table wine for a second? Uh, Wines that are found in retailers. So on-premise would be restaurants uh, that are serving it by the glass. So off-premise is going to be any account, a retailer. We call them our resellers of Barefoot. Yeah. Now, as I look at this, of the top 20 off-premise table wine brands, Barefoot is first. But then if I look at other wines that come from EJ Gallo, Apothic, which a lot of people don't know is a Gallo wine. People love that wine. You know, that's sort of Gallo's answer to menage a trois, I think. Is it not? Yeah, it's a blended red, and um, it's done tremendous things um, all over the world, too. It's a huge success in Canada uh, for the winery. Now, I'm looking at menage a trois. Their 52-week sales is $174 million. And then for Apothic, just slightly under that, $156 million. But Barefoot, you get up to Barefoot, it's $665 million. I mean, approaching a billion dollars in sales. Did you ever imagine that when you were part of this, what was once a tiny little company, right? Right. Yeah, I never imagined that we would be where we are today. And we wouldn't be where we are without the support of the Gallo family. It's now been 10 years in the Gallo portfolio. And what's interesting, I think, is that Barefoot and the Gallo Winery is one of the best partnerships ever created in wine. And not many people know that fact, too. People still question me when I say, you know, that Barefoot is the top-selling revenue winery in the world. So it's kind of interesting. So um, I want to talk to you a little bit about what it was like in the early days, in the beginning days, when you were working with the original owners of Barefoot and how it differed and a little bit about, you know, the sale of the company and where it's gone since then and how your life may have changed during that, because it's such an interesting case study, you know, to look at this company that was really an accidental wine company in the beginning, and we can talk about that, and then became a behemoth. Can we get into that next, Randy? Yes. All right. Very good. All right. We will uh, be back in just a moment. My guest is Randy Arnold. He has, from uh, the very beginning, the very start, been the brand ambassador to Barefoot Wines. The stats just came out on uh, the sale of the top 20 off-premise table wines. Barefoot absolutely trounced the competition, coming in at more than double, uh, well, just about double the next competitor, which was Sutter Home. So uh, we'll be back with more Grape Encounters and Randy Arnold right after this. Connecting winemakers, wine lovers, wine adventures, and all things wine from around the globe. You are listening to Grape Encounters Radio with David Wilson, broadcasting from our wine cellar studio in idyllic Atascadero, centrally located in the Central Coast wine country of San Luis Obispo County, California. A few days ago, a listener visited our wine bar, the Grape Encounters Emporium, because he wanted to see for himself if the wines from Cardella that I brag about all the time are as good as I keep telling all of you. He had driven quite a long distance to check out the Cardella wines, so we were delighted to let him sample them all. When he was most of the way through the tasting, I asked him if I had oversold these wines in any way. He smiled and replied, absolutely not. I can't recall any winery blowing my mind with virtually every wine they make. But after watching literally hundreds of faces light up after the first sip, I can tell you without any reservation that I believe Cardella is poised to be the next great American cult winery. Extraordinary whites, incomparable reds, insanely great values. I love Cardella's wines, and you will too. 
Learn how to get yours online at grapeencounters.com. For years, I've been dying to get a truly exceptional wine refrigerator to keep my liquid assets safe from the scorching summer heat that can turn awesome wine into teardrops. Heat is the number one enemy of fine wine, and collectors will tell you that a wine cellar is absolutely essential. Well, that's just not true. For a tiny fraction of the cost to build even a modest cellar in a converted closet, you can own a wine refrigeration unit so exceptional and so beautiful that you'll want to show it off to absolutely everyone. My unit is truly the best there is. It's from King's Bottle, the experts in wine preservation and cooling. King's Bottle has wine refrigerators for every need. They're gorgeous to look at and priced lower than you would ever imagine. Want to see why I'm so excited? Click the King's Bottle link at GrapeEncounters.com. King's Bottle wine refrigerators are so cool. See them at GrapeEncounters.com. David Wilson is back with more Grape Encounters, and it looks like he's raided the wine cellar for something truly out of this world. Here's David. Oh my gosh, it is such a treat to have on the line Randy Arnold. You know, as brand ambassadors of wine is concerned, Randy has got to be number one. He's got to be the guy who has had the most impact on a brand. We're talking about barefoot wine. And you know what? For those of you who poo-poo me talking about barefoot wine, so you know what? You don't need to listen to the show. Maybe the show's not for you, but I want you to understand why companies like this are the reason why we have so much fine wine, because they get people interested at a very low cost, and they do a tremendous job given the price they have to work with. Nobody does that better than Ernest and Julio Gallo. And you'll never hear a great winemaker talk down the Gallo company because they've been behind so much innovation and so much increase in quality in wine. It's something that a lot of people don't realize. Hey, Randy, I got on my pedestal. I could be a brand ambassador, couldn't I? You can. You are. You're a brand ambassador for the entire industry. Let's put it that way. Well, I see it in, <laughs> I see it in perspective, you know, and it's like there is nothing wrong with most of the less expensive brands that come from companies like Jackson Family Wines, Constellation Brands, Ernest and Julio Gallo, oh, the wine group, which makes Franzia. These are people that make pretty darn good wine. They wouldn't sell so much of it. And it's not a question of right or wrong. It's a question of what wine suits what purpose at what time. That's you know, how what I we, see it. I like to say is that Barefoot is house wine for your house. And uh, you can consume Barefoot Monday through Thursday night and then step up on the weekends and pour more expensive wines for your friends when they're together. But, you know, you can do a lot of business Monday through Thursday and people are consuming wine, you know, with their meals almost on a daily basis. And that's really exciting to be a part of that. What have you learned in all the time that you've worked for Barefoot? And can you take us back to the first days of your working with the Barefoot label? What was the company like then? And when did it transition to Gallo? And how much changed at that point? Yeah, well, the winery started in 1986. We have two owners, Michael Houlihan and Bonnie Harvey. And they had bought the rights to the label from Davis Bynum. And they had very little knowledge of wine and not a lot of money. So I remember on my first day working for the winery, Michael says to me, I'm so sorry. 
sorry, we have no money to advertise. And I said, I don't care. You have a whole warehouse full of wine. Let's continue to donate to nonprofits, and we'll build brand awareness through our support of these great organizations doing wonderful things for the community. Wow. So he was all for that, and we had no idea what a powerful idea that was at the time because it started out very small. You know, it was a case of wine here, a case of wine there uh, to help these nonprofits raise funds. And they ended up getting New York Times bestseller out of that, didn't they? That concept. Yeah, Michael and Bonnie wrote a wonderful book. It's called The Barefoot Spirit. They actually sold Barefoot, it's now 10 years ago, to the Gallo family. So it was really a wonderful, wonderful partnership that started uh, now a decade ago. Wow. Uh, That's so amazing. So how did things change when Gallo took over? My understanding about the folks at Gallo is that they don't mess with success. Is that true? Uh, You know, they're very smart about uh, the acquisitions, and they invest in what they purchase, and they invest tremendously. And that has, has helped to grow these new purchases like Barefoot. And they recognize that our culture was uh, unique and that we obviously had something unique to offer the winery, which was really fantastic. And I remember my first meeting with Stephanie Gallo, we were sitting in an office, and she said, if you had all the money in the world, what would you do? And I said, I would donate more to nonprofits than ever. And we have really followed that as well, which is pretty amazing. The amazing impact that we've had all over the world by donating to nonprofits. So that cause-driven marketing is a bigger part of the barefoot culture than ever before. And, and you really don't spend money on traditional advertising. Is that, is that true? So what worked way back when with Michael and Bonnie is still working now, but on a much bigger scale? Yes, absolutely. You know, we'll do 3,000 benefits for nonprofits uh, wow. a year. And that's every year. Wow. But, uh, we went went back and looked at all of the events that we had uh, sponsored, and those events have raised over a quarter billion dollars for nonprofits. No kidding. Wow. So that's billion. <laughs> How closely do you work with the other brands, the other Gallo brands like Apothic, Gallo Family Vineyards, there's Carlo Rossi, there's Liberty Creek. Uh, these are some of the big ones. Are you working together ever, or are you all autonomous? Well, we have our own team in Modesto that oversees Barefoot, and uh, we have our own winemaker, Jennifer Wall, who is the most awarded winemaker in U.S. competitions. Uh, So we have a lot of autonomy, but uh, I do get involved with some of the fine wine brands. A lot of the events that we do want to offer a fine wine choice, and I have a tremendous choice there to make, and I have the ability to donate uh, those wines as well. So we have, you know, a Gallo uh, exclusive at some of these fundraising events, which is fantastic. Talk about the Prosecco for a second, because that's a really great example of how you work with other companies and bring on a really fine product under a label like Barefoot. How's that going? Because that's a fairly new product, right? Yes. Yeah, we have 33 wines in Champagne, so it's a tremendous number of offerings that we have to offer as well. But Prosecco is, you know, the hottest category in all of wine and Champagne. Prosecco was up 30% last year, and uh, with the Gallo Winery, we have winemaking partners from all over the world. So that, that is really a fantastic opportunity for us to offer. Yeah, and so the sales are very strong in that Prosecco. Then, how, how does it rank in terms of all of the products under the Barefoot umbrella? You know, it's a newer product, so it's coming on strong, and we have a lot of growth that we will experience, I'm sure, with Prosecco. You know, it's such a pleasing product. You know, the Italians have been making Prosecco for a long, long time, and they have a lot of expertise. 
And you know, our winemakers can learn from some of our foreign teams that we have working around the world. And that's also really exciting. So, but as I understand it, you don't make this Prosecco, right? The Prosecco is made for you. Is that yes, correct? made in, in the Veneto region of Italy and imported for us. And as I understand from either talking to you or reading in the past, it's one of the best Prosecco houses in Italy, if not the best. Yeah, they also make La Marca, which is the number one selling Prosecco in America. Yeah, very so, good Prosecco, yeah. yeah. Now, I've, I've had the Barefoot Prosecco, and the packaging, by the way, on that wine is absolutely terrific. So really worth getting. If you want a, an inexpensive and absolutely delicious sparkling alternative to champagne, this is really worth buying. I can really recommend that, as I can an awful lot of the wines that you make and wines in the less expensive, high-volume category. This is what I think most people are concerned about. How do you maintain consistency and quality on the grand scale of what you guys are making and not make these wines all about coming out of a chemistry set? How's that done? You know, I like to think that we have the best winemakers and the best viticulturalist in the business. And actually, our largest single source for Barefoot is a vineyard that the Gallo family owned. It's called the Cal Ranch, and it's on the Merced River in the Sierra foothills. We have a 3,000-acre vineyard along the river, and you can see Half Dome on a clear day. So talk about an incredible wow. location yeah. for vineyards. So, wow. And the Sierra foothills, the temperatures are a little cooler. The river actually creates its own microclimate because there's high bluffs on both sides. So if you're standing on the bluffs, it's going to be 10 to 20 degrees warmer than when you're standing next to the um, wow. said River. So we like to think of that as our home property for and vineyard for a barefoot. But then we also purchase from, we have grape contracts uh, with hundreds of grape growing families throughout the Central Valley, Sierra Foothills the Lodi region, and then the Delta regions of California. Well, I've been talking about a winemaking family. They have their own brand, and they make very small quantity wines. It's called Cardella, and Cardella is in Mendota, California, and they're now a sponsor of the show because so many of my listeners heard me talk about them, and I was shocked to have wines that were really, uh, you know, super premium wines coming out of the Central Valley because not too many wines are marketed as super premium that come from there just because it's all about volume there you know, quality too, but volume is a big deal because they get huge yields from there. And I believe they grow for barefoot. So that whole area that you're in, the Modesto area, the Central Valley, there's a ton of grapes being grown there. And that's a really fertile place, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, we purchase many uh, grapes from the Lodi region, which is the number one wine region for grapes in California. And a lot of people right, yeah. don't realize that. But the quality coming out of Lodi is absolutely fantastic. So, we purchase as much fruit from those uh, grape growers um, in the region as we possibly can. All right. I think we're going to have to take it out with a Credence Clearwater song on that note, Randy. Any guesses? Uh, you should be lucky to be stuck in low dice. All right. Okay. Hey, Randy Arnold, <laughs> it's always a pleasure to talk to our brand ambassador from Barefoot Wines. You could try to hire him, but I don't think anybody's going to be able to pay him as much as Gallo. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't leave. Your barefoot is your life, right? It absolutely is. There's right. very little separation. <laughs> All right, my friend. It's, it's so nice to have you on. And we're going to see you again in person sometime real soon. I'd like to come up to Modesto and really check out the Gallo operation. Would you give me a first-class tour? I would love to give you an insider's tour. Absolutely. Okay, okay let's, let's do that very soon. Randy Arnold, Barefoot Wines. It's a very, very interesting story. We're going to be back in just a second. Randy, we're going to change gears here and talk about an opportunity 
opportunity to learn how to play the drums with the drummer from The Killers. Interested in uh, maybe learning to play the drums? That would be great. Okay, we'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. Oh, Lord, I'm stuck in Unpretentious, unconventional, and uncorked. This is Grape Encounters Radio. Grape Encounters Radio is based in Atascadero, California for good reason. It's the heart of the Central Coast wine country and the perfect home base for endless adventures. Atascadero is friendly, affordable, and offers unparalleled access to world-class equestrian ranches, bicycle trails, hiking, breathtaking beaches, cutting-edge culinary experiences, and endless wine country adventures. Learn more about Atascadero, the gateway to good times, at visitatascadero.com. For years, I've been dying to get a truly exceptional wine refrigerator to keep my liquid assets safe from the scorching summer heat that can turn awesome wine into teardrops. Heat is the number one enemy of fine wine, and collectors will tell you that a wine cellar is absolutely essential. Well, that's just not true. For a tiny fraction of the cost to build even a modest cellar in a converted closet, you can own a wine refrigeration unit so exceptional and so beautiful that you'll want to show it off to absolutely everyone. My unit is truly the best there is. It's from King's Bottle, the experts in wine preservation and cooling. King's Bottle has wine refrigerators for every need. They're gorgeous to look at and priced lower than you would ever imagine. Want to see why I'm so excited? Click the King's Bottle link at GrapeEncounters.com. King's Bottle wine refrigerators are so cool. See them at GrapeEncounters.com. For years, I seem to pour more wine down the drain than into my glass. I love great wine, but hate how quickly it goes bad. Now, for about the cost of a few good bottles, I pour as much as I want of whatever I want, whenever I want, with my Coravin from GrapeEncounters.com. Take a sip today, have a glass next month, and save the rest for a few years without removing the cork. Enjoy wine on your own terms with the remarkable Coravin from GrapeEncounters.com. You are listening to Grape Encounters Radio, where we tell you things your parents never taught you about wine. But don't blame them. Grape Encounters wasn't around in those days. Somebody told me you had a boyfriend who looked like a girlfriend that I had in February of last year. It's not confidential. I've got potential. We're back with Grape Encounters Radio, and that song, of course, is Somebody Told Me by The Killers, and you're asking yourself, wait a second, David, you normally play songs that have something to do with wine. Well, you know what? This segment doesn't have much to do with wine, but it is a segment on a very interesting opening of a very interesting place and some very interesting things that they are doing, and there is a tie-in to the musical group The Killers. On the line with me now is Robert Quartz, who is is, along with his father, opening up their first tap room. They are Sonoma Cider in Sonoma County, California. And Robert, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. You know, we don't do much on cider. I guess purists would say, well, cider's not wine. But in reality, it's pretty closely related, don't you think? Well, it's definitely technically wine in the eyes of the government. So there you are. 
<laughs> well, that doesn't that doesn't make it so. <laughs> but, but you know what? Well, we're fermenting we're fermenting fruit juice, so that's what they think of as wine. Okay, well, that, that, that's fair enough. You know, it's very interesting to see how the cider industry is really taking off, and we're still seeing, of course, the really big push in the craft beer industry. I think these three industries, you know, they overlap a lot. They're overlapping more and more. We're seeing some interesting hybrid beverages as well. Are they helping each other? Oh, definitely. I mean, I th- and I think cider is the bridge in between wine and beer because it's technically wine. You know, we're fermenting fruit juice. We're a bonded winery, so we can make wine here. And it's made like wine. We're fermenting fresh fruit juice, but it's sold a lot more like beer. You know, you buy 22 ounce and 12 ounce ciders. Yeah, so it's the bridge. So it's not apples and oranges anymore. <laughs> it's not. Did I no. just say that? <laughs> okay. it's, it's grapes, apples, and grains. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the killers, okay? You've got, well, first, let's back up. You're building this tap room, and it's a pretty extensive tap room, but then you're going to be augmenting it with all kinds of cool stuff, and you are doing a very interesting crowdfunding project. Explain that first, and then talk about how people are rewarded for getting involved in the crowdfunding effort, and how the killers and some other stuff come into play. Well, we're uh, we're building out a tap room here in Healdsburg, and we're really excited about it. It's going to be a big space with food, and we're going to start with 24 tap handles, so we'll have a lot of different ciders. Wow. And uh, we wanted to make it cooler, and we wanted to be able to increase our budget to build it out even cooler, so we're doing a Kickstarter campaign, and uh, a lot of those things are, you know, you get t-shirts and swag from Cinema Cider, you get to join the Cider Club, and you'll get, you know, quarterly cider shipped to you, but we're also doing stuff with my buddy Ronnie from The Killers, he's a yeah. drummer, and he's giving out some drum lessons, so you can sign up on our Kickstarter and uh, get a drum lesson from Ronnie. Wow, I don't want to work, I just want to bang on the drum and drink cider all day. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> wrong group. How do you know him? Well, he was living in Healdsburg for a little while, and we're hanging out downtown a few times, and then, I don't know, we hit it off, and now he's uh, our brand ambassador, and he's a partisan of a cider. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, I think yeah. that's such a, a great idea. Uh, I got to go to an event at the Martini Winery, you know, next valley over, but they did a real interesting thing a couple of years ago. It was the Rock and Roll and Wine Fantasy Camp, and they had all these really famous uh, musicians from a lot of just, you know, really, really super high-profile legendary groups, and you could learn to make wine and learn to make better music at the same time. The connection between wine and music, and I'm sure cider and music, is uh, definitely there. Well, they're all things that people do because they enjoy them, you know? Yeah, exactly. And It's it's happiness. Well, that's right. It's happiness. And, And you don't sit and drink cider or wine without there being music in the background. It's got to be there. Right. Neither of them are very stressful situations. So let me ask you this. There is a lot of research out there that talks about the connection between music and wine. A, do you feel there's the same connection between music and cider? And will you program the cider house with a a certain kind of music that you think best suits the temperament of cider drinkers? I mean, I think that the way people are drinking craft these days is pretty diverse. And I don't think that there's a specific music that it fits. Or at least, um, at least we haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Maybe yeah. there's not enough research on it. But yeah. I mean, anywhere from bluegrass to, who knows, even hip hop or something. Yeah. We're talking to Robert Quartz. He and his father, David, are opening up a tap room for their brand Sonoma Cider. And that's going to open, I guess, in September. Is that about right? Yeah, I think we'll be opening up in the end of September. Very cool. What do you think the demographic is for cider? 
better drinkers, especially in terms of age. I don't like to use the word because I am one, but millennials, which I think really drive the majority of drinking in general. Yeah. It's just the generation that is the age that drinks the most right now. So anywhere from 21 to 40. And uh, cider is interesting. Beer is, you know, more skewed towards male and wine is more skewed towards female. And like cider is sort of halfway in between, it is actually 50-50 male and female. So what would one pay for an average glass of cider? What's the going rate right now? Tell me what your most exquisite cider would sell for. Well, we have a cider that we're about to release that's our Imperial, and it's 10.2% alcohol. So it's a little higher and you get like a 10-ounce pour and a bar might sell that for 5 or $6. Yeah, so you get something made with the same craftsmanship as uh, good wine, but for, you know, not even half the price. That's pretty yeah, awesome. Yeah, exactly. And twice as much and qu- quantity, yeah. Yeah, and your, your average cider is more around 6% alcohol, and you're getting a pint for maybe $6. All right, well, listen, we got a minute left. For people who want to know more about the Kickstarter campaign and they want to get involved, why don't you go ahead and just explain that in the next minute that we have, and we'll hopefully uh, send some interested parties your way. Well, you can find links to our Kickstarter on our Facebook or our Instagram, which are both facebook.com slash Sonoma Cider, or just search for Sonoma Cider on Facebook, or Instagram, our username is Sonoma Cider, um, and then the links are both there. And you can get a lot of really cool stuff on there. I'm really excited about the Cider Club. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be releasing really cool stuff that other people aren't going to be able to get access to. You mean in terms of product? Exactly. And then what kind of swag will you have besides the drum lessons that you're offering? We have really cool t-shirts and hats. I like to wear uh, pattern hats, so we have some like floral and paisley pattern branded Sonoma Cider hats that are that are pretty cool. Yeah, awesome. Okay, well listen, hey, I appreciate you coming on. I, I really wish you the best of luck, and we're going to talk offline about maybe coming to one of the events. I know you're going to have a whole series of events, but we'd love to come down there and let's talk more about cider. Your dad's got a, an amazing background in fine winemaking, so it'd be interesting to talk to him too and, you know, see where the intersections are between cider and wine. Definitely. Okay, David Sounds Quartz, good. it is Sonoma Cider. If you're interested in getting involved in the Kickstarter campaign and maybe want to get your hands on an hour-long drum lesson with the drummer from the legendary Killers, you know, one of the most popular groups in modern history. Uh, unbelievable. Love their songs. And I, I guess we're going to take it out with the Killers right now. Thanks very much, Robert Quartz, for being on. I appreciate it. Wish you the best of luck. Thank you for having me. All right, that's going to do it for Grape Encounters this week. We will see you next week. And in the meantime, you know, maybe explore the world of cider. It ain't wine, but it sure ain't bad. We'll see you here next time. No, you don't, you don't.